0: the Marcus Cote Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Cote. Hey guys, welcome back to today's episode. Today I'm joined by Freddie Webb, who is an NBL 1 basketball player. Freddie is currently playing for Illawarra. At the moment, it was awesome to touch on his journey through basketball and his experience in strength and conditioning. Thanks again, Freddie. Please enjoy. Welcome to the Marcus Co-Fitness Podcast, Freddie. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. No, nah, it's a pleasure, mate. Obviously, we had a little brief, probably greeted me before before you took off Darwin, so it's uh, obviously a pleasure to have you on and be able to catch up and everything. But yeah, firstly, how are things going for you? I know you're probably on off-season at the moment a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah, things are going great. I'm in a sort of off-season slash in-season because we finished NBL one and I was lucky enough to get a training spot with the NBL Illawarra Hawks so it hasn't really been much of an off-season to be completely honest with you I'm, I've sort of rolled into a into another season where the the commitments are very much in season but because I'm only a training player I can train more in an off-season manner whereas it's not such a big deal if I'm fatigued on game decks I'm not playing you know so I can train in an off-season manner but my head is somewhat in season, so it's a bit of a mix,
0: yeah. That's awesome. Obviously, yeah, congratulations on getting us a training spot there as well. It's unreal. And your season in the NBL one, how'd you go during that season? And yeah, had you Wollongong? Sorry, Wollongong. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was uh, it was great. The season was awesome. It was like the team itself was sort of ravished by injuries, we were up and down. There was a, a point there where we were down without exaggerating, we were down seven of our top 10. Yeah, so we were just, just you know running with what we had, and we did we did pretty good, like all things considered. But that was the story of our season. There was no consistency. People were in, out, uh, injuries, away, suspensions, whatever it may be. So there wasn't that that consistency that you really need, especially coming towards the end of the season. So it was unfortunate because our team was talented as that we couldn't really go all the way. But that's that's part of it, right? But as far as personally, uh, it was one of my best seasons from the standpoint of. I learned so much I was just I was able to play through mistakes I had a lot of trust from my from my teammates from my coaches from the organization so I was able to just to go out there and try stuff figure stuff out for myself you know it's one thing understanding it conceptually and, and seeing it on film and then another thing being able to go out there and, and do it and be like oh okay I've got to do it this way I've got to do it that way whatever and try to figure it out like that so it, it was a, yeah, incredible season I love the I love the place too. Wollongong is beautiful. Like it's you know an hour south of Sydney. It's it's got yeah. the best of both worlds: big city, small town. And it's funny because I talk to a lot of people down there, and they're always saying like, "Oh, Wollongong's so small. It's so isolated." This and that. And I'm just like, guys, <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> yeah, just have no idea. You know, I try to explain to you know, like I come from Darwin. You know, yeah, where a quarter of the population, the closest city to us is Cairns. Like, yeah. um, so I've been absolutely loving it.
0: Yeah, I said I'm sure See the weather was. Hopefully, is not too bad. He's pretty used to down weather. I'm sure up there as well, which is good. See a different environment up there as well. That's how was the environment. Touch on a bit then, but was it something new, I suppose, or similar what you'd been doing as well?
1: Yeah, it was. It was similar in terms of NBL one kind no of where you go. It's it's always similar. Like it's a funny league because there's people on their way down. Like they've played in the NBL and they're on their way out, and there's people on their way up, and there's sort of some people that just float around and don't really have a desire to climb they're just there because they've been around they enjoy playing basketball so it's a funny league it's very transient lots of change um so that that stays the same but uh as far as the environment like our coach was uh, our coach Nash was from Iraq and so he has this whole different style and way and and it, it was really cool actually I I, I really enjoyed it the, the I think it, it's interesting I was talking to a couple of people about it it's interesting the difference between Aussie coaches and European coaches and um they just they go about it in in very different ways and and not that i've had a ton of like let's say a ton of um, comparison because i've only had sort of one european coach and a lot of australian coaches yeah i think i think there was a there was a cool element of that maybe because my mum is colombian so there's a there's like a cultural background there and so maybe there was a a good understanding or whatever whatever it may be but uh, yeah, yeah i really enjoyed it i thought it was really cool
0: yeah, that's unreal. It's good to hear. If the listens, I'd be able to get a bit of an idea of what it's like as well. And I'm sure it's a great learning curve for you to be able to, yeah, experience that many different coaches. And it definitely would take your game to another level and, yeah, be able to bring back to different players or kids that you coach as well. I think is incredible as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely.
0: Just starting off a bit of your background, get a listener's a bit of understanding of your growing up and, yeah, how you got into basketball. And then, then we'll touch on the strength and conditioning side of things as yeah, well. Yeah,
1: cool. Born and raised in Darwin, youngest of six, but all half siblings. So like an only child for my mom, only child in the in the household growing up. Mum and dad, both zoologists, a dad, professor of zoology, um, world leading expert on saltwater crocodiles. So ever since I was like since I can remember traveling around the world, um, going to meetings, conferences, I think, my first trip was to Cuba when I was three months old. And it it just hasn't stopped since. <laughs> So we also own a crocodile farm and a zoo up in Darwin. So that was, that was like my backyard. Uh, and it's funny, it's one of those things that, you know, growing up, it's just normal. You don't really think too much about it. And then you get to maybe 18, 19 or you travel, you know, when I went to college in America and you start talking, you realize like, man, that was that was really unique. Like that was kind of cool. That was, yeah, yeah. Like a lot of people don't, don't get that opportunity. <laughs> so that was really cool got into basketball in 2007 when i was about seven years old uh just played it because i sort of enjoyed it one of my older brothers played but not seriously and not in Darwin. so i didn't i didn't see it um just just enjoyed it um <clears throat> played for Ansett, who i played for my entire career in Darwin, and just sort of progressed 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 it was never never like a, a real standout per se like it, under when I went when I was in under 12s so I remember vividly we went uh, to Alice Springs like as a Darwin group yeah. and they selected uh, like an NT team in that under 12 age group and I was the only one in my billeted family that didn't get the spot you know like and you know, I was devastated and I wasn't good enough a reality but I was still so mm-hmm. they came back like under 14s same thing sort of rolled around didn't get a spot top age under 14s I was like the very last pick Scored four points an entire tournament. It wasn't very good. Under-16s, both years, busted my ass trying to get a spot. Didn't get a spot. Either uh, Top-age under-16s, I was really devastated about it. Same deal. Bottom-age 18s, like scraped in again as like the last player on the bench. And then that was probably one of the big turning points there. Between bottom-age 18s and top-age 18s, I went from being like the last player on the bench to our starting point guard, now captain. Um, and then from there was able to go to college and then, you know, go from there. So yeah, it's, it's been a funny journey, but, um, it's yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been a constant, I think I've probably used mom and dad just as examples in what they've done. Like dad, dad's written a number of books as well. And I can remember getting up to go train at 6am, um, in the morning and seeing dad's light in his office already on, had already been on maybe since four or five, yeah. you know, just writing his book. Like he didn't have to get up at that time, but he did because that was just that was how he was wired. And so yeah. I think I think actions speak louder than words and it's all well and good to tell your kids this and that. But for me waking up and seeing that every morning, he didn't have to tell me about hard work. He didn't have to tell me about perseverance or consistency. I saw it every single morning. And I was like, yeah. I, I guess this is how you become a world-leading expert in whatever you do. So I tried to apply that exact same drive and and persistence and consistency to what I was doing Um, and it's you know it's been paying off since so
0: yeah that's unreal it's a great journey there to listen and see those massive points of uh, a precision obviously be able to keep going with things when you're not making teams or Mm. things don't go your way kind of thing it's it's a great achievement of, of yourself and seeing that being able to, from your parents, to, to obviously bring that down on you as well, and seeing how hard they work as well—it's it, a great, it's a, it's a great lesson learning for kids that are starting out or don't make state teams or just rep teams kind of thing. It's obviously, just that being able to keep going. And I know, yeah, a lot of people that don't make teams, things like that, and then same again, they achieve their goal or get to the highest level possible. I think so. Yeah, that's unreal, unreality to hear as well. Yeah,
1: it's the uh, it's the hardest part. It's the hardest yeah. part is is doing all the work what you think is all the work and then not seeing a result and then waking up and doing it again and still not seeing the result and then doing it again, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? And just having faith that at some point, it might be a month, might be three, might be a year, two years, it will, it will accumulate. And then you yeah. just hit this point where you, everything sort of goes through the roof, but that's the hardest part is sticking with it. When you're not seeing results the, yeah. by far the hardest part. So it takes a lot of sort of make sure you know what you want and truly want it, because if you don't, you know, you won't last.
0: Yeah, it's, yeah, I love that. I and mean, I was bringing that back to my personal training with clients or s and World kind of thing. It's those results you want, maybe losing weight or you trying to get to the next teams for the athletic performance or just a general goal that you have in the gym or fitness or health-wise kind of thing. It's not seeing those little results at the start, but just setting maybe like down the track those goals that that can come with it, I think. is, And then results do pay off in the end kind of things, so turning it back into that little analogy for, yeah, for the job that, that I'm in as well. So, yeah, no, it's cool. cool to hear. Your career college, Did you want to touch on a bit of that as well?
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So, I um, I went over to Central Maine Community College, which is like a junior college over there. So, it's a two-year, two-year deal. You get an associate's degree. It was in Maine. So, borderline in Canada and I don't know it was below us, like New Hampshire or something. Um, so, freezing cold, like eight months of snow, uh, heavy <laughs> snow too. So, big change from Darwin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but amazing experience. So like my roommates, those two years are to this day, you know, my best friends, um, talk to them all the time, flew to Melbourne about a month ago to spend the weekend with them. Cause they were all in town and amazing experience. Basketball was, was great. Like it's a doggy dog world there. Like it's just super, you know, you got 20 dudes fighting for, you know, a couple spots and minutes and it's, it's a yeah. very sort of hard, hard thing to do. It's not, it's, it's sort of glamorized like go to college like yeah do it absolutely go to college the experience is unmatched but understand yeah. what you're getting yourself into if you yeah. want to do the basketball thing seriously so two years there from an snc side or from a fitness side like in between my first and my second year i got in the best shape of my life i just funny i know this is like maybe a contentious topic whatever but in in the off season i was you know i was just one of those i've always been a curious person by nature and so my my major was um i was um, physical health and fitness was the associate's degree. Yeah. And so I was trying things, listening to things, reading as much as I could, like doing all that. And I really wanted to get in just in great shape. Like I wanted to look good. I wanted to feel good conditioning wise. I wanted to be elite.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, so, you know, I was doing my research, whatever. And I, at that time, so we're talking 2018, I came across intermittent fasting Yeah. and I was like, Oh, like, I don't know like this, you know, whatever. And so, Anyway, I tried it and I was super strict. Like I wouldn't have one calorie outside of my my window, which I think is funny because a lot of people claim to fast and then, you know, stick a spoonful of butter in their coffee. But yeah. that's a whole different topic. But uh, so that off season, probably for that three months, even when I was back in Australia and I went back to college early to train and get ready, I was super strict. I was 16, eight. I wouldn't eat. Um, so I'd fast for 16, eat for eight, and I just wouldn't touch. And I was eating healthy too. And I tell you, like, whatever, whatever pathway it it, it uh, physiologically went, whether it was ketosis or whatever it may be, yeah. I just, I just, like, dropped, shredded body weight. And like, don't get me wrong, I, I was definitely no question more irritable. I was, I wasn't really super happy, or like, it was like a, yeah. it was a, it was a chore. Like, I could almost feel like I was like getting like stressed about it. But I did get in in phenomenal shape. And yeah. the whole irony of the whole thing was. That was in between my first and second year, and because I understood my second year had to be my best year, so yeah, I was in the phenomenal shape. My coach was like, great, we'll give you the starting spot. Um, you can be our starting shooting guard, cool. And then I played terrible. I was so bad. Uh, and I don't know. I'm not saying there's a causal uh relationship there. I don't. I don't think it was necessarily that because. Towards the end of the season, what we ended up finding was I was in a lot of pain. I was in a lot of pain, but I was sort of in discomfort. My hips were didn't feel great, and I couldn't really work out what was going on. Yeah, it wasn't until I I decided to stop playing basketball after my second year because of how bad I played. Came back to Australia, started playing again, and uh, was like, "Man, my hips! Like this is this is weird. This isn't is feeling too good." Yeah, went and got scans and saw the surgeon, and the surgeon was just like, "Hey, listen, you've broken." part of your pelvis in each hip popped off. So you've got a piece of bone floating on each hip, which has torn the cartilage up yeah. completely. Um, and like the labrum is buggered as well. So if you yeah. want to keep playing ever again, you have to go get surgery. Now.
2: Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. So flew to Melbourne, maybe within a month of that diagnosis had uh, each hip repaired one week apart. It was in Melbourne for about a month. Yeah. And yeah six months of rehab before I was back on the court really in any capacity and then a full year until I really felt like oh man like okay wow like I feel better more athletic like I had no internal rotation at all if I went to internally rotate it was just just nothing you know and especially like you know as far as jumping cutting moving you have to be able to get into those funky angles and now that I could it was like oh my god this is this is amazing so it sort of like rejuvenated my basketball career I was like okay cool let's do it
0: yeah, that's crazy. Obviously, yeah, being able, able, to come back. Then that's that's where I said so the setbacks do happen in your career as well, and be able to come back from that. So, sure. how are your hips of them? Like, are they are they feeling pretty good at the moment? Yeah, no, they're
1: good. They're good. Yeah, they're great. They 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 get tight. I think there's, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of scar tissue there, and I have to you know continually like stretch them and keep them nice and mobile. But they're fine. They're great. Like I've got yeah, really no, good. that's
0: good. That's good to hear. As well. Yeah, yeah. But just moving on to now, so on the conditioning side of things as well. Obviously, we had a little. Brief little chat before before you went up there. Yeah, how you got into the, uh, the S&C side of things and just your experience with it at the moment. I yeah, know i touch on the MBA experience as well at the minute, yep. but yeah, how you got into it.
1: For sure. Yeah, yeah. So like I said, so my major in college was physical health and fitness, which is essentially ex-science. Um, yep. And uh, my whole mind frame around it, and it had been like this before I went into college, was like I was uh, six foot on a good day didn't come from any athletic stock in the slightest. Like my parents are both hardcore scientists. Um, and I understood if I wanted to make it at any level, I was going to have to figure out how to become faster, stronger, uh, more more agile, athletic. Yeah. So I sort of, okay, well, how do I figure this out? And so even before getting to college, I was really like just, just again, curious by nature, reading, studying, um, listening to things. Got there, had some really cool mentors. Like the guy that ran the whole program was a bit of a brainiac and he would really help me. So really like dove down that path and, and was, was just all about it. And so like, I was, I was training a bunch of the guys on the team. I was training the girls team. I was personal training. And then after my second year, when I decided, like when I didn't know my hips were bugging, I just, I knew something wasn't right. And I was playing terribly. I thought, all right, great. Like I'll just segue into s as yeah. my full-time thing now and so uh, yeah I did a bit of s at Central Maine like you know had my in, my opportunities there and did some stuff and was actually really good at a small place kind of like being in Darwin you get yeah. a lot of hands-on experience you get thrown into the fire a lot so I was running like uh and for a group that had a group of uh, people with Alzheimer's and their carers would come in and you know we're sitting there doing you know all different like you talk about progressions and regressions when you have someone that it's got Alzheimer's in there, mm-hmm. 90. Like you you find the the you really understand how to regress things to the most basic movements and then you think about their carers. Well, they've got to take care of it. So how are we gonna so there's yeah. lots of different cool things like that that I was just like thrown into and it was like, yeah. all right, cool, you gotta run this. And it was like, okay. Like yeah. kind of daunting, but you figure it out and you get confidence from figuring it out. Then I I one of the the old strength coaches from that college, he he came, saw, saw what I was doing, whatever else, and he was like, Hey, listen if you want to do an internship, I'm an assistant strength coach at a place called Quinnipiac University, which is a uh, division one university in Connecticut. And they're a massive ice hockey school is like their main sport. And they've got, you know, basketball, they've got other sports too, but like basketball and ice hockey were their main thing. And I was like, yeah, sure. Great. Like fantastic. So when my season finished, I went over there for about three months and was one of four interns there. Under uh, the head strength coach whose name's Rajesh Patel, who's like this short, bold Indian, Indian American dude who's again, like just a genius. And a genius from the standpoint of like obviously incredibly intelligent, but has such a good pulse on how to how to motivate and how to get the best out of people. And like that was the 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 most yeah. skillful part to me. That was the coolest part. So I was there for three months and it wasn't easy. Like six weeks in. It was hell like you're an intern like you go back to being nothing essentially you know you're just you're just an extra like you know and and it's not like we're getting treated bad but you just you go from being like the captain of the basketball team to the intern where everyone's sort of you know like you're just nothing and so but i'm really glad i stuck through it and to this day to this day that those three months are the most formative snc the most formative snc experience i ever had like he he runs such a tight ship from program design to just expectations to the way he was talking to the, the innovative stuff that he wanted to do and the stuff he was trying was, was unbelievable. So I, I draw on that all the time, like all the time, even just from, yeah, like I said, probably the most obvious practical one is program design. Like the way he set out his stuff and the way he explained it, I was like, this makes complete sense. You know, the speed work, the agility work, the lifting, all that sort of stuff. So did that for three months was like this is amazing also in the back I had this little voice in the back of my head um being like I'm not ready to train people yet like I I should be here I should be the one getting trained like I don't just, like, the, and this like they just kept sort of eating at me and in my exit interview with the strength coach I was like like what you know what what do you what's your advice for me going forward you know I want to be an SNC coach and he more or less looked at me and was like no you don't he's like you're still a player like I can see it. You can see it. Like I was lifting with the guys. I was a college athlete and everyone else was a college. And, you know, so I, I developed a great rapport with all the players to this day. Like I am still good friends with a bunch of the, the ice hockey girls, the basketball yeah. girls, guys, like it was phenomenal. And then, so I sort of parked, parked it after my NBA experience, which we can talk uh, touch on. Yeah. And then was like, all right, let me, let me go play for a little bit and, and I'll come back to the coaching stuff, you know, maybe when I'm done.
0: It's unreal. And us getting projects to different sports, was, your main obviously would have been basketball ever since. I was, did that help you a lot finding going to the ice hockey and experiencing what it's like to be able to get as an uh, intern and a, a coach as well, seeing seeing what they do? As
1: well? Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. For sure. The ice hockey guys are crazy. They're like, a, the way I describe them is they're like a mix between UFC fighters and AFL players. They're just, <laughs> they're, yeah, they're absolutely, they're, they're nuts. Their camaraderie is amazing. Um, and, yeah, but it was it was it was an awesome experience. The, yeah, But you know what, actually what did surprise me and maybe surprising to the listeners or even to yourself was how yeah. similar the programs really were. Like I know the, especially in personal training, a lot of things are individualized, but the meat and potatoes of the program for basketball or for ice hockey was very much the same. Yeah. Like a lot of the accessory lifts were different, were more specific to a certain thing here and there. But the meat and potatoes like everyone was front squatting everyone was trapped by deadlifting everyone was jumping everyone was a lot of single leg work like a yeah. lot of uh pull-ups like you know it didn't matter what sport his yeah. I guess his belief was like these movement patterns I don't care what sport you play if you can get strong if you can do a single leg squat off a box comfortably up and down like that's good <laughs> you know yeah. so that, that was really cool to see as well because you hear a lot about a lot of athletes want to get the personalized, individualized program. And I understand it's probably more of like a, not in a bad way, it's probably more of just an ego thing. Like they want to feel special about getting this program. But the reality is like, you could chuck anyone on on X program and they're going to see results. Like you can tailor it, tweak it here and there, but it's not, I don't think it's all it's cracked up to be.
0: Yeah, that's great insight there as well. And I think getting exposed to different sports is, is incredible. I see, yeah, with a bit of basketball, but AFL too. I've got to AFL. Yeah. So I think that was a good insight for myself and my learnings to being able to, yeah, different sports, which is incredible too. And I, when you spoke about the head strength coach, mm-hmm. like, yeah, that, that buy in of the motivation he had, I think it's massive oh, for someone, someone like him to have that buy in with players. Did you find that with him to have oh. that? I had In, the time with
1: him no incredible like I I it's um it's unbelievable like I I've got countless examples but so they just won the ice hockey national championship this past season and there was like a clip while they're you know they went into overtime it was a whole big thing and the commentators are saying like wow like the the Bobcats or quinnipiac Bobcats there's they're so fit like their strength coach Brajesh Patel is uh He's like regarded as the best strength coach in ice hockey. And, and like the commentators knew that, you know what I mean? Yeah. But the buy-in was unbelievable. I've got videos on my phone from the ice hockey guys would come in and lift. And there'd be maybe 20 of them in the weight room. Each of them had their own program card and they were expected. So what would happen was interns would have would have four different groups. Like men, we had five actually, men's, women's ice hockey, men's, women's basketball, and then an NHL group. So all the pros, because they were pumping out, three, four, five NHL players a year. So they would yeah. all come back in the off season, which was cool as well. So then we'd get them all in. There'd be 20 of us. I'd go into the middle and be like with the card and be like, all right, here we go. We're running through. All right, you guys know the drill. Like uh, we're going to start over here. Bummer, bang, 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 this exercise, this exercise. Then you into your main lifts, you know, look at your weights, this and that, blah, blah. Any questions? No, cool, right, let's go. So then everyone would just go and the music would be pumping and it'd be like an hour hard. And he was big on lifting because i was in the off season and he was big on it can it can be aerobic capacity conditioning as well by not we're not sitting down taking a ton of rest we're not doing anything in between if you're doing a big lift rather than just sit for your rest like you're doing a mobility exercise or you're doing a core exercise you're doing something you're not just sitting anyway we got to the end of a lift and the captain of the hockey team would be like all right like cj you uh you sat down in the workout so that's five uh justin you left your like you left your card on the ground after last session so that's another five and um uh tyler you you know you i don't know uh g- grabbed a drink of water in the middle of the set like when we don't do that uh yeah. and so but it, <laughs> and then so the whole group would come together and they'd all do together 15 burpees or like how many you know whatever yeah. it was but Brijesh had nothing to do with it. He was in his yeah. office and these guys are holding themselves accountable, like the captains yeah. of the team. And like, I'm sure he built that early yeah. on at some point, but it got to the point where he didn't have to be there being like, Hey, pick your stuff up. Like, what are you doing? You shouldn't be sitting down. It was just like, listen, if we're going to win, like everyone has to be completely bought in and this is our standard. Nothing below that is acceptable. And so <laughs> they would sit there and do the 15 burpees. No longer fucking fucking complain. They just do it, you know. Like, and I watch them do their conditioning on the on the um, assault bikes. And like the freshmen, they they come in at like eighteen, fresh out of high school, and they would fucking pass out. Like they just go and on, go and on, go on, and then they're yeah. just sort of like sick or vomiting. Or, like, but he's got them willing to go there, mm. which is the which is the coolest part to me because it's that's the that's the hard part. How can you motivate these people? How can you get them to? You know, yeah. to really, really, really push. So he, he was a master at it.
0: Yeah, it's it. And it's, it's building that great culture and that great environment you want to be a part of. And that's why I'm sure that people, plays and things will want to go there and play. It's like yep. yeah, like anything, if what team you want to be a part of that has that great culture, I think it's massive. And yeah, I think as a as a coach, uh, yeah, to have that buying with players and athletes, it is massive. And it, it makes your job a bit easier as well to have that oh, yeah. buy in. Definitely at the start as well. Obviously, yeah, someone. Yeah, if you are new to going to different places or like it's like any going to a new team too, you're always a bit nervous. But yeah, once that buying with players and the players get around you, it's, it makes it a bit easier as well.
1: For sure, for sure.
0: Touching on us your MBA experience as as a strength conditioning, which I think is unreal. So yeah, how did that come about, and yeah, what takeaway points did you have on those ones? Yeah,
1: so how it came about was. Second year of college, uh, we're on. I was listening to a podcast while I was like lifting or whatever it was, and the guy that was talking was uh, Doctor Ramsey nigem and uh, he was the head strength coach of the Sacramento Kings at the time. He was the youngest strength coach in the NBA. Um, he was doing some cool things, anyway. So I was listening, and he was mentioning this conference, the Strength Coach Conference, Strength. Coach conference, this and that, and I was like, "Oh, that'd be cool." I'm in mean, college. Um, it was in Chicago. I was in Maine. It was a flight away, whatever. Yeah, it happened to be during spring break, during our spring break. And so I was like, oh, you know what? Like, it's not that expensive to fly out to Chicago. I don't really know anyone or anything. And I was like, fuck it. Like, I'll just do it. Yeah. And so, yeah. So during spring break, booked some tickets to Chicago just by myself, jumped on a plane, flew out there, booked into a random hotel, like, caught a taxi to this conference. I got there, and it's funny, like, I walk in the door, and there's a table full of all like name tags. Uh, and every single person's name had like so-and-so Phoenix suns, so-and-so Golden State Warriors, Milwaukee Bucks, Lakers, whatever it may be, blah, blah. And then it was just like Freddie Webb, central Maine community college. And, and <laughs> So like what I came to realize, it was probably a conference, like really just for strength coaches, uh, like NBA strength coaches, but it was open. So I was like, okay. So I went I'm in my notebook, I'm sitting there taking notes. I think I was 19. And I was networking. I was just introducing myself. Hey, like you know, I've listened to your stuff. I followed your stuff for a while. I love it. Like I'd love to ask a couple of questions about this and that. I, I think I I had been good at that from a very early age. Mum always drilled into me uh, the importance of of being able to to speak to anyone. And like I had that job as a kid working working at the zoo when people got off the cruise ships at the in Port Dalan. I was there, like holding a crocodile, like, "Hey, like, do you want to come to the zoo?" So I had to develop that that ability just to talk to to strangers. So a uh, conference goes on, and I go up to Ramsey, this guy, the the uh, Sacramento Kings guy, and I said, "Hey, man, like, loving to meet you. Just want you to know, like, the reason I'm here is because I heard you on a podcast, and um, you know, I think it's really inspiring. You're you're one of the youngest strength coaches. It's amazing, blah blah." And he was really grateful. He was like, "Oh man, that's amazing. It was so cool. You, you came out by yourself, like, all the way from." You're from Australia, you, you know, spring break, everyone will be partying, yeah. you're out here, cool. And then he was like, listen, if you ever come through Sacramento, like let me know. Like just you can come and and spend some time and, and learn, whatever yeah. else. And so right away I'm on the phone to my parents like, hey, we need to we need to rejig these flights back home. Like I need at least a week <laughs> in Sacramento. So fast forward, uh on my flight home, I actually know he emailed me something like, Hey, listen, if you can be here for these days like we're having a conference um you could help us you know help us set it up and run it whatever and get, you know free entry and all the rest of it cool and it sort of worked out as on the on the flight home on the way home anyway so so i rejigged it so i was in sacramento for about a week and um and yeah so it, he ran like a big conference with sort of a lot of the the big names in the industry at the time still to this day like uh paul for brits who's like pjf performance on on instagram he yeah. was James James Harden's, like, personal trainer guy. Max Schmazo, Strong by Science. Like, a bunch of these dudes that were just heavies in the industry. And, yeah, so I helped. I really was with him and a bunch of the guys around there just helped organize the whole conference, whatever else. And then because I was there for a week, I was pretty much coming in, like, every day afterwards. It was during the off-season, so there wasn't a lot of players in there. Like, there was Wenyon Gabriel and Yogi Ferrell were the only two that I really got to work with. But, yeah, I mean, it was it was – super dope. Like you walk in and you'd be surprised the amount of Aussies that are sort of in, like in, in there already. Like I walked in and in there's into the office and there was a like 26 year old dude from Adelaide who was, uh, I guess a brainiac in the, um, motion camera GPS stuff. And yeah. that was just his job. Like the practice courts had like 50 cameras that would track everything. You know what I mean? The acceleration, yeah. decelerations, um, how fast, how long, how tight, all the rest of it. So it was cool. I mean, like the facilities are amazing. They they just, you know, they have the money to put into it. But I mean, truthfully, it's not like, it's not like their programs. It's probably something I've learned even just in life, in basketball as well, in strength and conditioning. There's no like secret program or like secret blueprint. It's not, it's not that like they were just, they were more basic than the ones, the college ones I was working with. And that was probably a bit of a realization because I think sometimes when you think about that level or you know, you just, you think, you think, oh man, like they must be doing something different. They must be training a different way. Like, how are they doing this? And then you get there and you go, oh, it's not really the case at all. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, they've just been doing it for so long and they know exactly what they need and they don't do anything else aside from that. But yeah, it was, it was, it was awesome. Met a lot of cool people, um, networked again with a lot of awesome people, like in that area, visited a bunch of different gyms. Like there's a, a place called Hyperthrive, which we're doing a bunch of MLB players, major league baseball. Yeah. Three, three brothers uh, pretty much built this warehouse or like fitted out this warehouse with a, with a gym. And they were super smart, but also young and, and sort of hip. And so they, they've been killing it as well. And and they were just cool. Like had me out there for a lift, spent the day with them. Like a lot of cool, it's a, it's a cool industry. It's a lot of networking, um, yeah. but it's also a funny industry in, in terms of a lot of it's, it's, at least I found it can be a really bashful industry. Like, Everyone has their own way to do things, but a lot of people want to shit on the way other people do it, and and I was yeah not super hell bent on that side of things.
0: That's an unreal great into experience there, and for yeah for listeners that I think yeah be able to take that next level in your career kind of thing, it's, it's great. And I think as I spoke about networking, that's massive. I know with the networks I've made and massive. I was saying and I was as a shy kid getting that confidence to go speak to people. And like these podcasts have been incredible to. Got to have different guests on that I've I've never heard, and it's good to hear their story and being able to communicate with them. Is I got a lot a lot better with my confidence in that. So, but yeah, I think networking in, in in any industry is massive as well, and that way you can make those connections. Like as you just spoke about meeting the uh, segmented coach there, and that same you're you're in the next door with him, yeah, experiencing what it's mm-hmm. like to be an SNC and how they run. And,
1: yeah, no, it's it's a, I think for any like young professional, whether it's in this industry or any industry, it. it like being curious, I think is one of the most important things in the world. Like you have to be curious. Another thing is, I think you'd be surprised how willing people are to help like, Mm -hmm. like, like high level people. If you really reach out, like um, just the other day, we played in New Zealand in a closed door scrimmage and uh, their starting point guard is a guy that I've followed, followed, been following him for almost a decade now about five foot nine, like, just just a a short incredibly talented sort of point guard and uh he had some like defensive techniques that i was like wow like that's that's really interesting i need to i need to understand that a bit better yeah i just you know i just reached out and you know he got back to me right away within the same day and we talked you know in in detail about that sort of stuff um and it's really cool and like i said people are willing to do it and the other thing is approaching people like the 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 cost of not doing it is far more than the cost of like doing it and them not wanting to help. If you know what I mean? Like yeah it, the idea of um not having the opportunity to go work with you know so and so and so and so, on, so on, is way worse in my opinion at least than the cost of going up and them and they're never gonna be idiots about it. Like they they, they may just say, Hey, sorry, like I'm busy or I can't yeah. do it. And so I always try and think of it in that terms, like the cost of not doing it far away is the cost of trying it and it not, fig- you know, working out, which has helped.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that one. There for me, obviously, to reach out to different players or high yeah. like quality professionals in the industry, I think, oh, should I be messaging them? But then, I'm like, as I said, like it's either a no or, or they're busy, and like that's we move on kind of thing. Yeah. And later down the track, who knows? They you meet or then they say, oh, look, I've got some time now for you. And I think
1: another thing on that too, and I read this um, in a book which has a corny title, but it was one of the best books I've read. It was called How to Be Confident by James Smith. And he talks about uh, this thing called the Zygonic Effect. And it was this idea of like opening and closing loops and the idea that if you think, like you think, okay, I want to have this person on the podcast. And now you've opened that loop in your brain. Like, okay, I want to have this person on the podcast. Unless you close that loop, you can think about that for weeks, months, years, like Man, like, I wonder if they would say yes or no. I wonder. Like, oh man, should I? Should I not? Like, and you yeah. just sit there. Whereas if you ask, you close the loop. It's either yes or no. But yeah. now you can like stall that away. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like at the end of a Netflix series, like they always open a loop so that you you, you feel like you have to close it the next <laughs> you know, the next episode. But I found that yeah, by just closing whatever loops you can, it's just a, a better way. You're not sitting there like wondering. At least you have an answer. It's either yes or no. And, you go about your day but it's better than sitting there being like oh i wonder i wonder i wonder you know
0: yeah that's it it plays on your mind too i know and as i said it's like even in you, if you're in conferences or things that like when they say like ask get like i say i always used to struggle with putting my hand up to ask a question kind of thing mm-hmm. like all mm-hmm. people like if it's going to be a silly question but like as i said mm-hmm. over time it's there's no silly question like so better to ask it because someone else might have well, the same question. Majority is
1: they probably all have the exact same question
0: Yeah. So yeah, just things like that. And I suppose it's a bit of a mindset thing as well. Like, been understand that is, is is cool for me as well. Just to yeah, get in that little mindset of obviously definitely awesome topic that we discussed. And I think that there's lots of lots to take out of that, which advice for young kids playing basketball and maybe starting to play. I know you do a bit of coaching with the young kids. Yeah, what would some advice be for people that are starting or or even just playing at the moment?
1: Yeah. Like the, the... Kids, kids that are starting, man, there's there's probably so much. I'm just trying to give like the most practical, like big things that I think like if I was to start my career over now, I think would help. I'll probably land on two. One, uh, I got from Kobe, who was like a huge inspiration to me. Like I've you know, I don't know how many hours I've racked up just listening to him talk. And that was the idea of uh when you're training or as a kid when you're growing up worry less about sort of being the best and like dominating the competition whatever else and whenever you can work on the things that you suck at so like you may you may have a not you might not have a great left hand right you're right-handed you really can't dribble with your left hand you can go into a game when you're, you know, under 12 and short, dribble the air out of the ball with your right hand and go score and whatever else, like, and sure, it's great for your confidence and not saying don't do it. But if you can have that mindset to be like, you know what, like I am going to only use my left hand. Even if I score two points this game, I'm going to get exponentially better by just, just trying to do the things that I suck at versus every other kid who's just doing what they're good at. You know what I mean? Like, so kids, especially at a young age, if you're like a little bit more athletic or a little bit stronger when you're under twelve and under 14s, you can just use that to dominate. You see it all the time. These man-childs, you know, they're like 14 with a beard and are just destroying everyone. And like, it's all well and good until it's not because they get to under 16s, under 18s and everyone's caught up and they've never developed anything else because they've just used that. And so I think for kids that really want to take it seriously, get over the idea of um, winning everything and, and, figure out exactly what you're really not good at and then drill that. Like just, just play it like live and don't try not to worry about messing up too much and just understand that if you're working on like one weakness every, you know, couple months and you're really like, that is really, really, really going to get you way better than just working on, than just being, you know, working on your strengths every single time. That'd be for the young ones. Now for the, a big mindset one that I'm convinced is uh, it's a fucking epidemic in, in like pro sports or not even a pro sports in youth sports actually. And especially basketball is changing your definition of success. And what I mean by that is kids today from the kids I'm coaching. And what I'm seeing is like, unless the ball goes in the hole, everything else is failure in their eyes. Like they are genuinely like upset, angry, disappointed. Like they have shame if they miss a shot or, or even then, even if the shot goes in, but it wasn't like a highlight, they're sort of like, ah, oh, like it wasn't a big deal. And the, it like, the issue becomes is that you don't control that. Like nothing in this, nothing in the natural world is perfect ever. Like nothing, this doesn't exist. Um, so the idea that you're going to make every shot it, that doesn't, it's not logical. And the best shooters in the world, like you hear all the time, Steph Curry misses one of every two shots. Like it, so the practical advice I try and drill into these kids is that you have to change success from being a made basket to when I receive the ball, like were my hands ready, was I down ready to shoot? Um, did I shoot the ball? Like, was I, was I confident enough to shoot? It was I aggressive mm. and that's it. That's the win. Now if the ball goes in like fantastic, but if the ball misses, Fantastic. It doesn't, doesn't matter because that's the win. Like the win's already been had, you know what I mean? Before the result. So it doesn't matter if you make it or miss because you've already won. And I think that's a big mindset shift that can help a lot of kids because they'll they they get they'll get less caught up in the result of like, oh, you know, like I've missed or I've made it. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like, and uh, the more you do this, the more the ball, ball go in. You know what I mean? So, and sure, it is just like a, a psychological trick. There's, no, there's nothing crazy about it but the reframing of it i think is incredibly powerful if if you can turn around and 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 register in your mind really truly really register like was i open was i ready did i shoot it with confidence
2: yeah
1: and then detach yourself from the result which is out of your control it, that that could seriously seriously change a kid's uh career like yeah. if they can get that through their head because it's a hard thing to do and i think one of the reasons it's such a hard thing to do is because all you see On social media and everything else it's just like the highlights it's always just like the dunks the threes the which makes sense it's social that's what it is i get it but one of the most powerful things i ever started doing was watching um like the full play Uh, so there's a couple couple pages on youtube that will you know um after an nba game will put out like their makes, their misses their turnovers their rebounds everything and you see like you, you see them miss like more than they make and yeah. it almost brings it back to like oh you know it just it sort of makes it more human because you always see make 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 make, make. and even subconsciously you start to register yeah. like okay well i guess if i miss that's bad because i never see anyone miss anymore so they're yeah they're the big ones that second one i think is is huge and i'm yeah. gonna i'm gonna die on that hill until some someone proves me wrong which i hope they do i'm all about that but it, it's, it's a, a huge one that I think a lot of kids could could do with getting through their brain.
0: Great two-piece advice, Ed. I'm sure listeners take on the board there. So yeah, definitely thanks for sharing those pieces as well. And last question to finish off, I suppose what's next for yourself? Do you set any goals or anything or kind of just go, go with the flow a little bit at the time?
1: Yeah, what's next? Uh, so I'm a training player with the Hawks right now, which has been an amazing experience. Very grateful for that. Um, that'll be for the rest of their season. And then I'll roll into next NBL one season. I haven't signed anywhere yet. I I really enjoyed my time here and I hope that, you know, I can sort something out to come back. That'd be great. So that's sort of like my next year from a basketball standpoint. Put out. As far as goals, it's a funny one. And it's sort of related to what we just talked about. I think I've been less outcome goal oriented as like, I want to do this or do that and more like, let me like on my lock screen on my phone. I don't know you can really see it, but I've got like a list of non negotiables. No. Um, yeah. and that's like something that I strive to do every day. I don't do it every day, but I, I try and things like eight hours sleep,
2: yeah,
1: 10 minutes of ball handling, 50 free throws, 53s, 20 minutes of film, stretch, X amount of protein, meditation, reading, all that stuff. That's sort of my goal. Like, yeah. I know that if I handle that that stuff will take care of itself. And like, don't get me wrong. It'd be like, yes, it'd be amazing to get an NBL contract next season. You know, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. I've also got a Colombian passport. I've had some interest from teams over there, so I can go play in Colombia, uh, which would be awesome to travel, see grandparents, all the rest of it. I speak Spanish. So yeah, I could do that. Um, But internalizing or setting process goals has been just a kind of a game changer because I've got complete control of it. Like I don't, I'm not stressing about like, will, you know, a general manager determined that I'm good enough to play in the NBL. I don't know; it's out of my control, so I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to stress about it. I I am just going to do everything possible that if something happens and I get an opportunity, I'll be ready for it. Yeah. Um, and I'll make sure that you know they see that, and and you know I just try and have a positive impact where I can. So that's yeah, that's probably me for the next year. Um, and and then just trying to I don't know trying to trying to enjoy the outside of basketball stuff too. Like, you know, being down in Illawarra is beautiful. I've been camping a bunch, some really good friends, really good people. Like I just, without getting too fucking deep and philosophical, like, you know, this, it's very fleeting, this whole thing. Like everything, everything's going to end. So I really want to make sure I'm not so maybe tied up in the whole basketball thing that I miss the life aspect as well. Uh, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: so, So it's a, it's a, it's a balance. It's always a balance. And, you know, it, it, sometimes it's here, sometimes it's there, but uh, yeah, as long as I'm sort of surrounded by the people I am, and yeah. and as long as I feel like I'm uh, pursuing my purpose, everything seems to seems to work out yeah. at least for the time being. So,
0: no, I love those answers there, and yeah, those non-negotiables. I really like them as well. Just setting it, Sammy, it is, it is it is a bit of a goal, but not a process goal. I suppose to think about as well. switching off, as you just spoke about, going camping, getting out. I think it's a good for a basketball player and athletes to have time away from the game and just be able to relax and replenish kind of thing playing it's unreal here and good luck for next chapter what what's to come for you freddy yeah yeah, i do appreciate you jumping on so thanks very much jumping on it's been an incredible chat and i'm sure there would have been lots more to talk about as well
1: for sure no absolutely thanks for having me uh it's been great i think it's always i always enjoy jumping on these things and you know even if one kid or one person gets something out of it like I don't know it's a win, so um, yeah. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. It's been great.
0: No, oh, awesome. And thus, is there? I don't know. Are you big on socials at all, or is there anywhere people can, I suppose, keep up to date a little bit? Like- yeah,
1: yeah. Not not massive. Like I've got Instagram. I will. Oh, well, yeah. So I'm I'm going. I'm in the process currently, sort of in the next month. Let's say uh, I'll have a, a training um, sort of page and everything up and going. Like it's been a bit of a. um, like obviously you know when I was back home I was doing a ton of coaching and it was uh and it was great and I loved it but being in season and stuff it's been a bit tough so yep. but now that I know I'm going to be you know sort of long term down here I, I would love to sort of get that up and going so yep. that'll be up and going um it'll probably it'll be under the basketball blueprint as sort of like the name um and then just my name Freddie Webb any sort of sort of Instagram whatever else but that's that's if you want to see the, the sort of behind the scenes personal stuff, but I mean I don't know sometimes it's it's cool to see the the person behind the behind everything as well.
0: No, oh, awesome. I'll check that in the show notes, guys. So yeah, you can go check out Freddie's work there as well. Once um, yeah, his training page gets up, I'll we'll definitely share that around for, for you sure. guys to be able to connect, check out what he's doing as well. So, but yeah, thanks again for your time. And um, thank you. I look forward to catching up with you one day. Hopefully, get up yeah. there, or back down here one time. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. That'd be good. Thanks again. We'll uh, speak again. Thank you.
1: Awesome. Cheers, Marcus. Appreciate it. Music